Chapter Six, Jacob, Part Two of the Legends of the Jews, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Legends of the Jews, Volume One by Rabbi Louis Ginsberg. The Sale of the Birthright. Though Abraham reached a good old age, beyond the limit of years vouchsafed later generations, he yet died five years before his allotted time. The intention was to let him live to be one hundred and eighty years old, the same age as Isaac's at his death, but on account of Esau God brought his life to an abrupt close. For some time Esau had been pursuing his evil inclinations in secret. Finally he dropped his mask, and on the day of Abraham's death he was guilty of five crimes. He ravished a betrothed maiden, committed murder, doubted the resurrection of the dead, scorned the birthright, and denied God. Then the Lord said, I promised Abraham that he should go to his fathers in peace. Can I now permit him to be a witness of his grandson's rebellion against God, his violation of the laws of chastity, and his shedding of blood? It is better for him to die now in peace. The men slain by Esau on this day were Nimrod and two of his adjutants. A long-standing feud had existed between Esau and Nimrod, because the mighty hunter before the Lord was jealous of Esau, who also devoted himself assiduously to the chase. Once when he was hunting it happened that Nimrod was separated from his people. Only two men were with him. Esau, who lay in ambush, noticed his isolation, and waited until he should pass his covert. Then he threw himself upon Nimrod suddenly, and felled him and his two companions, who hastened to his succor. The outcries of the latter brought the attendants of Nimrod to the spot where he lay dead, but not before Esau had stripped him of his garments, and fled to the city with them. These garments of Nimrod had an extraordinary effect upon cattle, beasts, and birds. Of their own accord they would come and prostrate themselves before him who was arrayed in him. Thus Nimrod and Esau after him were able to rule over men and beasts. After slaying Nimrod, Esau hastened cityward in great fear of his victim's followers. Tired and exhausted, he arrived home to find Jacob busy preparing a dish of lentils. Numerous male and female slaves were in Isaac's household. Nevertheless, Jacob was so simple and modest in his demeanor that, if he came home late from the Bet Halmadrish, he would disturb none to prepare his meal, but would do it himself. On this occasion he was cooking lentils for his father, to serve to him as mourner's meal after the death of Abraham. Adam and Eve had eaten lentils after the murder of Abel, and so had the parents of Haran, when he perished in the fiery furnace. The reason they are used for the mourner's meal is that the round lentil symbolizes death. As the lentil rolls, so death, sorrow, and mourning constantly roll about men, from one to the other. Esau accosted Jacob thus, Why art thou preparing lentils? Jacob, because our grandfather passed away, they shall be a sign of my grief and mourning, that he may love me in the days to come. Esau, thou fool! Dost thou really think it possible that men should come to life again after he has been dead and mouldered in the grave? He continued to taunt Jacob. Why dost thou give thyself so much trouble? He said, Lift up thine eyes, and thou wilt see that all men eat whatever comes to hand, fish, creeping and crawling creatures, swine's flesh, and all sorts of things like these, and thou vexest thyself about a dish of lentils. Jacob, if we act like other men, what shall we do on the day of the Lord, the day on which the pious will receive their reward, when a herald will proclaim, Where is he that weigheth the deeds of men? Where is he that counteth? Esau, 
is there a future world, or will the dead be called back to life? If it were so, why hath not Adam returned? Hast thou heard that Noah, through whom the world was raised anew, hath reappeared? Yea, Abraham, the friend of God, more beloved of him than any man, hath he come to life again? Jacob, if thou art of the opinion that there is no future world, and that the dead do not rise to new life, then why dost thou want thy birthright? Sell it to me now, while it is yet possible to do so. Once the Torah is revealed, it cannot be done. Verily there is a future world, in which the righteous receive their reward. I tell thee this, lest thou later say I deceived thee. Jacob was little concerned about the double share of the inheritance that went with the birthright. What he thought of was the priestly service, which was the prerogative of the firstborn in ancient times, and Jacob was loth to have his impious brother Esau play the priest, he who despised all divine service. The scorn manifested by Esau for the resurrection of the dead he felt also for the promise of God to give the Holy Land to the seed of Abraham. He did not believe in it, and therefore he was willing to cede his birthright and the blessings attached thereto in exchange for a mess of pottage. In addition, Jacob paid him in coin, and besides he gave him what was more than money, the wonderful sword of Methuselah, which Isaac had inherited from Abraham and bestowed upon Jacob. Esau made game of Jacob. He invited his associates to feast at his brother's table, saying, Know ye what I did to this Jacob? I ate his lentils, drank his wine, amused myself at his service, and sold my birthright to him. All that Jacob replied was, Eat, and may it do thee good. But the Lord said, Thou despisest the birthright, therefore I shall make thee despised in all generations. And by way of punishment for denying God and the resurrection of the dead, the descendants of Esau were cut off from the world. As naught was holy to Esau, Jacob made him swear concerning the birthright by the life of their father, for he knew Esau's love for Isaac, that it was strong. Nor did he fail to have a document made out, duly signed by witnesses, setting forth that Esau had sold him the birthright together with his claim upon a place in the cave of Machpelah. Though no blame can attach to Jacob for all this, yet he secured the birthright from him by cunning, and therefore the descendants of Jacob had to serve the descendants of Esau. The Legends of the Jews, Part 1, by Rabbi Louis Ginsburg. Isaac with the Philistines. The life of Isaac was a faithful reflex of the life of his father. Abraham had to leave his birthplace, so also Isaac. Abraham was exposed to the risk of losing his wife, so also Isaac. The Philistines were envious of Abraham, so also of Isaac. Abraham long remained childless, so also of Isaac. Abraham long remained childless, so also Isaac. Abraham begat one pious son and one wicked son, so also Isaac. And finally, as in the time of Abraham, so also in the time of Isaac, a famine came upon the land. At first Isaac intended to follow the example of his father and remove to Egypt. But God appeared to him and spake, Thou art a perfect sacrifice without a blemish, and as a burnt offering is made unfit if it is taken outside of the sanctuary, so thou wouldst be profaned if thou shouldst happen outside of the holy land. Remain in the land, and endeavor to cultivate it. In this land dwells the Shekinah, and in days to come I will give unto thy children the realms possessed by mighty rulers, first a part thereof, and the whole in the messianic time. Isaac obeyed the command of God, and he settled in Gerar. 
When he noticed that the inhabitants of the place began to have designs upon his wife, he followed the example of Abraham, and pretended she was his sister. The report of Rebekah's beauty reached the king himself, but he was mindful of the great danger to which he had once exposed himself on a similar occasion, and he left Isaac and his wife unmolested. After they had been in Gerir for three months, Abimelech noticed that the manner of Isaac, who lived in the outer court of the royal palace, was that of a husband toward Rebekah. He called him to account, saying, It might have happened to the king himself to take the woman thou didst call thy sister. Indeed, Isaac lay under the suspicion of having illicit intercourse with Rebekah, for at first the people of the place would not believe that she was his wife. When Isaac persisted in his statement, Abimelech sent his grandees for them, ordered them to be arrayed in royal vestments, and had it proclaimed before them as they rode through the city, These two are man and wife. He that touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Thereafter the king invited Isaac to settle in his domains, and he assigned fields and vineyards to him for cultivation, the best the land afforded. But Isaac was not self-interested. The tithe of all he possessed he gave to the poor of Gerer. Thus he was the first to introduce the law of tithing for the poor, as his father Abraham had been the first to separate the priest's fortune from his fortune. Isaac was rewarded by abundant harvests. The land yielded a hundred times more than was expected, though the soil was barren and the year unfruitful. He grew so rich that people wished to have the dung from Isaac's she-mules, rather than Abimelech's gold and silver. But his wealth called forth the envy of the Philistines, for it is characteristic of the wicked that they begrudge their fellow-men the good, and rejoice when they see evil descended upon them, and envy brings hatred in its wake and so the Philistines first envied Isaac, and then hated him. In their enmity toward him they stopped the wells which Abraham had his servants dig. Thus they broke their covenant with Abraham, and were faithless, and they have only themselves to blame if they were exterminated later on by the Israelites. Isaac departed from Gerer, and began to dig again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father, and which the Philistines had stopped. His reverence for his father was so great that he even restored the names by which Abraham had called the wells. To reward him for his filial respect, the Lord left the name of Isaac unchanged, while his father and his son had to submit to new names. After four attempts to secure water, Isaac was successful. He found the well of water that followed the patriarchs. Abraham had obtained it after three diggings. Hence the name of the well, Beersheba, the well of seven diggings, the same well that will supply water to Jerusalem and its environs in the messianic time. Isaac's success with his wells but served to increase the envy of the Philistines, for he had come upon water in a most unlikely spot, and besides in a year of drought. But the Lord fulfills the desire of them that fear him. As Isaac executed the will of his Creator, so God accomplished his desire. And Abimelech, the king of Gerer, speedily came to see that God was on the side of Isaac, for, to chastise him for having instigated Isaac's removal from Gerer, his house was ravaged by robbers in the night, and he himself was stricken with leprosy. The wells of the Philistines ran dry as soon as Isaac left Gerer, and also the trees failed to yield their fruit. None could be in doubt but that these things were the castigation for their unkindness. Now Abimelech entreated his friends, especially the administrator of his kingdom, to accompany him to Isaac and help him win back his friendship. 
Abimelech and the Philistines spake thus to Isaac, We have convinced ourselves that the Shekinah is with thee, and therefore we desire thee to renew the covenant which thy father made with us, that thou wilt do us no harm, as we also did not touch thee. Isaac consented. It illustrates the character of the Philistines strikingly that they took credit unto themselves for having done him no hurt. It shows that they would have been glad to inflict harm upon him, for the souls of the wicked desireth evil. The place in which the covenant was made between Isaac and the Philistines was called Sheba, for two reasons, because an oath was sworn there, and as a memorial of the fact that even the heathen are bound to observe the seven Nochian laws. For all the wonders executed by God for Isaac, and all the good he enjoyed throughout his life, he is indebted to the merits of his father. For his own merits he will be rewarded in future. On the great day of judgment it will be Isaac who will redeem his descendants from Gehenna. On that day the Lord will speak to Abraham, Thy children have sinned, and Abraham will make reply, Then let them be wiped out, that thy name be sanctified. The Lord will turn to Jacob, thinking that he who had suffered so much in bringing his sons to manhood's estate would display more love for his posterity. But Jacob will give the same answer as Abraham. Then God will say, The old have no understanding, and the young no counsel. I will go now to Isaac. Isaac, God will address him, thy children have sinned. And Isaac will reply, O Lord of the world, sayest thou my children, and not thine? When they stood at Mount Sinai, and declared themselves ready to execute all thy bidding before even they had heard it, thou didst call Israel my firstborn, and now they are my children, and not thine. Let us consider. The years of a man are seventy. From these twenty are to be deducted, for thou inflictest no punishment upon those under twenty. Of the fifty years that are left, one half are to be deducted for the nights passed in sleep. There remain only twenty-five years, and these are to be diminished by twelve and a half, the time spent in praying, eating, and attending to other needs in life, during which men commit no sins. That leaves only twelve years and a half. If thou wilt take these upon thyself, well and good. If not, do thou take one half thereof, and I will take the other half. The descendants of Isaac will then say, Verily, thou art our true father. But he will point to God, and admonish them, Nay, give not your praises to me, but to God alone. And Israel, with eyes directed heavenward, will say, Thou, O Lord, art our father, our Redeemer from everlasting is thy name. It was Isaac, or, as he is sometimes called, Elihu, the son of Barachel, who revealed the wonderful mysteries of nature in his arguments with Job. At the end of the years of famine, God appeared unto Isaac, and bade him to return to Canaan. Isaac did as he was commanded, and he settled in Hebron. At this time he sent his younger son Jacob to Bet-Hel-Madrish of Shem and Eber, to study the law of the Lord. Jacob remained there thirty-two years. As for Esau, he refused to learn, and he remained in the house of his father. The chase was his only occupation, and... As he pursued beasts, so he pursued men, seeking to capture them with cunning and deceit. On one of his hunting expeditions Esau came to Mount Seir, where he became acquainted with Judith, of the family of Ham, and he took her unto himself as his wife, and brought her to his father at Hebron. Ten years later, when Shem his teacher died, Jacob returned home at the age of fifty. Another six years passed, and Rebekah received the joyful news that her sister-in-law, Adina, the wife of Laban, who, like all the women of his house, had been childless until then, 
had given birth to twin daughters, Leah and Rachel. Rebecca, weary of her life on account of the woman chosen by her older son, exhorted Jacob not to marry one of the daughters of Canaan, but a maiden of the family of Abraham. He assured his mother that the words of Abraham, bidding him to marry no woman of the Canaanites, were graven upon his memory, and for this reason he was still unmarried, though he had attained the age of sixty-two, and Esau had been urging him for twenty-two years past to follow his example and wed a daughter of the people of the land in which they lived. He had heard that his uncle Laban had daughters, and he was resolved to choose one of them as his wife. Deeply moved by the words of her son, Rebekah thanked him and gave praise unto God with the words, Blessed be the Lord God, and may his holy name be blessed for ever and ever, who hath given me Jacob as a pure son and a holy seed, for he is thine, and thine shall his seed be continually, and throughout all the generations for evermore. Bless him, O Lord, and place in my mouth the blessing of righteousness, that I may bless him. And when the Spirit of the Lord came over her, she laid her hands upon the head of Jacob, and gave him her maternal blessing. It ended with the words, May the Lord of the world love thee, as the heart of thy affectionate mother rejoices in thee, and may he bless thee. End of chapter 6, part 2